Stephen, why don't you introduce the show? Jingle bells, jingle bells. <laughs> Never it, mind. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for the podcast Christmas special. Pew, pew, pew. Those are fireworks. Are there fireworks on Christmas? In my neighborhood, there are, and it is the most annoying thing on the face of the earth. <laughs> Thanks, Conroe. All right. Well, <laughs> welcome back to the podcast of all podcasts. Mm. My name is Stephen Linehan, and I'm joined once again oh, you're welcome. after a break on the you're last welcome. episode by my counterpart, Gomer. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Oh, it is good to be back. Listen, I, I owe everyone an apology. Like, Why? I absolutely should have been here on the last episode i let you down oh, get out of here I'm with sorry. the catholic guilt honestly oh, we needed a break from you oh. <laughs> <laughs> i don't blame you we i don't needed blame some you. healing wow you said that so did my wife <laughs> <laughs> i gotta go out of town more often um yeah so i'm back you're stuck with me i think it's time to talk a little christmas stuff what do you think i love it it's i love christmas time so here's the thing i have really, as I've gotten older, and I don't know if it's now because I have a family and I have kids or whatever, but I love Christmas almost more than I did as a kid. Really? Yeah. Oh, so okay. I got in an interesting okay. uh, debate with some of my friends here in the Woody Woodlands uh, because this year, with the way Advent fell, um, it seemed like uh, you know we had we had like a lot of November left after Thanksgiving. Yeah, and it yeah. wasn't Advent yet, and so I. But like the day after Thanksgiving, I was I was Clark Griswold out in <laughs> in the front yard. I was putting up the lights. I was like listening to Christmas music. And some of my friends were giving me a hard time about it. They were like, it's not, it's not even Advent yet. Like, you, you know, Come whatever. On. Come on. But my argument to that is that we are in need of the incarnational Christ every day. <laughs> every day so I'm is gonna, Christmas Day in my heart. Every <laughs> day. I'm going to jingle all the way. What's your favorite Christmas song? Ooh, um, Little Drummer Boy, actually. Really? That's yeah. one of the it, worst songs of all time. I, I don't know. Okay. I, I, here's the thing. I think it, it, remind, it reminds me of my dad. Okay. Because he okay. used to like sing it kind of funny to me in the car. So I like that. Oh, okay. And then That's I good. also like, I love O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Mm -hmm. I think that mm -hmm. is one of the most beautiful Christmas songs. And I just wish everyone would stop trying to make their own version of it. Yes. I was at, I have heard probably 20 different versions in the last 20 different <laughs> it's days. So annoying. It is, so frustrating. Listen, just let's just chant it. Let's just make Gomer's old school heart happy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. just, so for for us and my family, actually, whenever I light the Advent wreath, I sing, I chant the O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and all my kids do mm -hmm. as we light the individual candles for each of the Sundays. It's like a thing now. Yeah. I like awesome. that. It's fun. So how do you feel uh, about Mariah Carey's Christmas song? That is my wife's number one favorite Christmas song. Isn't that weird? All I what is it called? All I want for Christmas? Yeah, is you. Dun, yeah. Dun, 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 yeah, please dun. don't sing it while you're looking oh. at me. Okay. <laughs> no, no. Just look at look, look in the other direction if you're going to sing it. Because <laughs> <laughs> that beige wall. But what about that beige wall? It's all beige. Um, yeah, that's yeah. my wife's favorite. I, just, my, oh. I think it's funny because like. Christmas songs are so hit or miss, and like yeah. Mariah Carey ended up coming up with a classic, whether we like it or not. She's on the radio every Christmas now. Yeah. Here we are. Yeah. Uh, now, my favorite secular Christmas song. Okay, so my wife's is Mariah Carey's. It's number one on our playlist. Mine is Sleigh Ride, but the Johnny Mathis version. 
And okay. some pumpkin pie. Like, I love the way he <laughs> sings those words. Pumpkin pie. Oh, I That's love impressive. it. impressive. Yeah. Well, so I, I, I didn't know what the name of the song was. And I have this sentimental Christmas playlist on Apple Music. And I'm like, Shannon, what is this song? And I sing it to her. And she's like, Sleigh Ride? Everyone knows that. So I'm in Apple Music. And I'm looking at every song imaginable. 1958, 1963, 1968. Finally, Johnny Mathis. All right. Oh, so good. I'm going to have to look that up later. Every time I drive to work in the morning, I listen to Johnny <laughs> Mathis. Awesome. Yeah. So, all right. Now, this is, I got to ask you this because okay. this is, there's a lot of like Christmas traditions that are now up for debate. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> not to go back to generations, but now that millennials are parents, you know, every, every, all bets are off, right? Maybe it's no longer cold outside because, you know, <laughs> that could be a bad thing. Yeah. Uh, but there's an interesting thing like, in my in my circle of friends, and I respect all of my my friends for their reasoning for how they parent and all that sort of thing. But there's this debate over: <laughs> Do you do Santa Claus or not? And huh. this is an interesting one uh-huh. because everyone and and I I truly a value, thing that was never a controversy. It was never until a controversy. Now. Yeah, it was. Until so I, I like I'm not going to call some I'm going to call some people out, but I'm not going to call them out by name. But like <laughs> some of my friends don't do Santa Claus with their kids, uh-huh. um, and actually. A, a, a bunch of my friends now don't do Santa Claus right. with their kids. And they all kind of have, like, various reasons. Like, one, it was like, well, I don't really want to teach my kid to sit on a stranger's lap at the mall. Totally get it. It's 2018. Safe environment, y'all. No one's above reproach, not even <laughs> Santa Claus. Uh, but I don't know Neiman Marcus's vetting process. <laughs> <laughs> Has he been virtuous uh, trained? No, obviously not. So um, the next, I mean, I think that the other thing I've heard is, like, well, I don't want to establish, like, lying to my kid. And and that's fine. That's fair. Yeah. I, you know, whatever. Uh, for for Ann and I, we're doing Santa Claus. Um, now we're doing it in the Catholic context, like that. Yeah. Santa Claus was a real person. He was a bishop, and was it Nursia, Turkey, or something like that? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, I got it right. Sorry. You blanked. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, I'm thinking of a story when I asked someone, "Y'all do Santa Claus?" and the guy responded to me, "No, I don't like lying to my children." <laughs> With like the most attitude, he didn't know if I did or didn't or anything. And I was thinking of that story, and you said Benedict of Nur- yeah, Benedict of Nursa. Yeah, or no, 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 Benedict of Nursa is Saint Benedict of the Benedictine Monasteries. Uh, Saint Nicholas, where was he from? He was from North Africa. No, he was from Turkey. Are we, are we seriously having this debate on the podcast? He was from Turkey. Siri, where was St. Nicholas born? This is happening. St. Nicholas was born in Padura, Lycia. Asia Minor. Dang it, Turkey. <laughs> you win. You always do. Oh, my do. gosh. I kneel. I kneel. Every knee Wait. shall bow before. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you win. I finally knew something that you didn't. Hey, Siri, do you want your knife back? The one you shoved in my back? <laughs> I have everything I need already. <laughs> oh. Cruel and unusual. That just happened, ladies and gentlemen. Awesome. So, yeah. back, so back to what we yeah. were saying about Santa Claus. So, so for us, we're doing Santa Claus. Uh, you know, maybe we're liars to our kids. <laughs> we'll, we'll figure that out in counseling later with them. <laughs> but we're trying to do it just through the, through the, uh, the lens of the Saint Catholic Nick. perspective yeah. of yeah. St. Nicholas. Um, so one of the things we've seen that's really cool is like 
you know, obviously there's the idea of like limiting how many things you ask for, for from Santa. Because mm-hmm. um, like our oldest, he's, he's three, almost four now. And so we were like, okay, you get to ask him for three things. And then we make him commit to those three things. Like we're not going to change it on Christmas Eve. Yeah. Um, and, and he knows that. And it's really cool. But then the other thing is we saw this, uh, I think my wife saw it like on Pinterest or something this year, putting out a basket that says like, you gotta you gotta give in order to receive kind of thing, hmm. and so the idea is that they clean out you know things that they're not playing with that sort of thing, and it's a conscious decision for them yeah. to what is something you want to share with somebody who doesn't have something. So oh, that's cool. Yeah. So we're our doing elementary school doing, did a big project like that. Are, are y'all doing Santa Claus? Okay. So here's the deal: because you're ahead of me in the game, you got yeah. four kids. Or a My oldest older. is eight. It is impossible to avoid Santa Claus. And you don't want to be, listen, you don't want your kids to be that kid that ruined Santa Claus for other kids. No, no, no. Right? So we don't really push it, but at the same time, we do, we talk about St. Nicholas. We celebrate St. Nicholas's feast day. Um, We don't do the shoes and the coins. um, But what we do is in their stockings, we, that's when they get a stocking present. So we put, uh, and every year it's the same thing, which if I were a kid, I would think this is so lame, but my kids are not me and they are their mother's children. Shannon buys them Christmas pajamas and they get these pajamas. That sounds fantastic. It, you know what? I'm not going to lie. And if is. you're listening to this, which she won't be because <laughs> our wives don't us. listen to us. Not yeah. a single thing. But if you ever do, I Christmas would love some pa- Christmas pajamas, specifically ones that would fit me because I'm 6'5". Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> so our kids all get matching pajamas, and we take photos of them and all that stuff. And um, so that's like the – and we talk about St. Nicholas, and we watch the little cartoon on St. Nicholas and all that stuff, which is historically inaccurate. Uh, <laughs> it drives me insane. But um, there's so many great stories with Nicholas that the real person, understanding who the bishop was, is awesome. So, And there's so much about Christ. The that bishop from Asia Minor, yeah. a.k.a. Turkey. AKA Go on. Turkey. It's Istanbul, not Constantinople now. Um, <laughs> but they, uh, there's so much richness in the biblical tradition and the church's history that what we just do is we just talk about Jesus. And we talk about Jesus so much yeah. that Santa Claus isn't really, like, the focus. But we do talk about, like... We we do. Um, they only get three presents. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus got three presents. Why do you get more um, <laughs> from us? Right, uh, minus the stockings, yeah. <laughs> and then um, whatever other people want to get, like grandparents and all yeah, that yeah, stuff. Yeah. That's the other thing. You know, they're going to get stuff from. Other oh, people they're going to get so much stuff. Yeah. And so we try to get them to narrow down by November first. What is their main present? Because my wife is a planner's planner's planner, yeah. and she has everything ordered and chipped and gift wrapped by like by Thanksgiving yeah. and hiding in my closet, <laughs> you know all can that I, stuff. Can I tell you one of the funny mm. things when when AJ narrowed down his gift list this year for Santa uh, to the three things? One of the things he, is he wants a toothbrush, and I'm so proud of him for that. <laughs> the problem he's is he dep- specifically wants an electric toothbrush. <laughs> <laughs> I want the Oral B model number R four thousand. Yeah, he, so he's seen, he's seen me and my wife's electric toothbrushes, and so he thinks it's the coolest thing. So he literally went to Santa and he said, "I want a big toothbrush." That's what he calls it. I'm oh, a, that's a, so funny! I want a big toothbrush. So. Dude, they make these things that just vibrate. And they have like little. No, they they actually make little little people uh, electric toothbrushes now. So it's great. He's it, there. You go. Uh, All right. That's what Santa's going to bring. There you go. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so our other our other Christmas traditions. Uh, we we do a Jesse tree now. 
We we did it okay yeah maybe expl- last year or two explain years this ago. to me because I remember it kind of from a kid we haven't adopted it at our house yet yeah um, and I've seen one in the office but can you kind of go through the idea with it yeah so it's actually Christine Marlowe our elementary faith formation coordinator she always talks about it and last year we did our Advent multi mission where we just tried to pitch single you know to a single group of people like young fam- families with young kids or whatever yeah. and we did all these different presentations and one of them was a recommendation to do the Jesse tree. Um, the Jesse tree, Jesse is the father of King David, Christ is the son of David, and so the, there's a prophecy from Isaiah that says, um, a, a, a shoot shall come forth from the stump of Jesse, meaning Jesse's family tree will be cut down, the Davidic ruler will cease, and that's what happened with Babylon, yeah. um, but one day a, a, a branch will shoot forth, right? And Nazareth, Nazareth literally means branch town. Basically, I thought it meant house of. Oh no, that's, no, that's Bethlehem. That's Bethlehem, right? Bethlehem so where Jesus was raised okay. was Nazareth. That's why the guy said, "Can anything good come from Branch Town?" And it's like, yeah, the branch that comes forth from the stump of Jesse, sucker. But uh, <laughs> I don't think Jesus said that. It was Can in you the translate Greek. that into Hebrew, please, <laughs> <Yeah>. or Aramaic. <laughs> sucker. Okay, so that was awful and a little offensive. But the uh, so with the Jesse tree, every single day, what we do is we light our candles for dinner. And then every kid, uh, each they rotate turns. Whatever day it is, they open up this little thing. And it's this, I think my wife, I don't know where she got it from, but it's this little wooden token on a string. And on one side it has a picture, and the other side has a scripture verse. And we have our children's Bible that we get because our kids are in faith formation. It's a beautiful children's Bible. And I look it up, and I read the verse out loud to everyone. And then we hang it on the Jesse tree. Okay. And at the end, it'll have 25 or however many little ornaments hanging from the Jesse tree that tells the story of salvation history leading up to the birth of Christ. Okay. Right? So you go, basically, you're walking from Genesis to Jesus kind of thing. So it's cool. They they hear the little stories, and then my daughter will ask. So so it's okay that we haven't started it yet since our oldest is three and a half. Maybe that's like a next year kind of thing. Totally. Okay. When's the best time to plant an oak tree? 25 years ago. When's the second best time? Today. Well, Christmas is next week, so that Jesse tree is getting planted in 2019. <laughs> nice, nice. So we do stuff like that. We really don't emphasize Santa Claus, but I, we're not anti-Santa Claus. So okay. um, we don't have a chimney. We have a fireplace that goes to a metal box on the other side of our house, so yeah. the old chimney thing gets kind of destroyed. Yeah, so this year, AJ got really – he's starting to understand Santa a lot more, and he got really disturbed by the idea of a, a random man coming into <laughs> our house in the middle of the night. So he, he explained to my wife that santa should leave the the presents on the front doorstep and that we can go out and get them the next morning (laughs) he also this week actually this is clear proof that the younger generation (laughs) has background low-grade anxiety (laughs) you mean this guy's gonna invade my home (laughs) this is my safe space um so he he actually the other thing though i think maybe we put too much of an emphasis on the manger which i don't think you can but this week uh you know he's doing that thing where we put him to bed at night and then he he like comes up with five more excuses to get up out of bed. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so yeah. this week, one of his excuses uh, was he got up and he just wanted to let his mommy know. He said, "Mommy, I just want to let you know I don't love Jesus. I love baby Jesus." <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know uh. what that means. I think we may need to work on that a little bit. But uh, anyways, I digress. So let's talk about Christmas. Um, Holy Day, it's a Holy Day of Obligation, mm. uh, one of the five. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the significance of it specifically um, in Scripture and, and kind of, um, you know, a lot of times you hear the readings at the beginning um, of, uh, of Mass during Christmas and you kind of, 
You're like, oh, it's Christmas Mass. I've got my whole family, you know, dressed up. We're here to celebrate. And then, like, the gospel might be like, and so-and-so begot so-and-so, and so-and-so mm-hmm. begot so-and-so. And you're like, really? Like, this is the one time I've gotten my long-lost brother back to Mass, and yeah. we're going to, you know, <laughs> talk every odd name in the Bible. Yeah. But what's the significance of the infancy narrative um, in Christmas? Um, yeah. Because I think the first time I came to understand it, it totally transformed my experience every time I hear the, the, those readings in that gospel. Yeah. Um, to me, it's it becomes much more of a celebration of oh yes, Christ was the fulfillment that um, that was promised. Right. So this is the beautiful thing when you hear all the begats, so and so begat so and so, and you're like, really? Those that's what they named their kids. Um, the reality is, we get lost in the names, but for an ancient, a first century Jewish person, this is the most exciting part because essentially, from the time of the Babylonian captivity until Joseph, the bloodline of King David was thought extinct. Mm-hmm. which is a tragedy because the promise to the tribe of Judah, which is one of the 12 tribes of Israel, it's where we get the word Jew because the Judah tribe is the only tribe that survived, mm-hmm. right? The northern 10 tribes were utterly destroyed by the Assyrians 200 years earlier. The southern two tribes are only two left. Or they were intermarried, right? So it became... Yeah, well, a... they were, they were, all the men were taken away. The women were... For, basically, other men from other nations were resettled in that area. Yeah. And so there was this hybrid race mm-hmm. that wasn't wedded to the land. So it's not like, no, oh, I'm going to fight these foreign invaders. That's where my grandfather proposed to my grandmother. Yeah. There's none of that. It's like they're just strangers in a strange land. So the northern goes away. It's what we call Galilee by the time Christ comes around. Um, the Samaritans, they have a hybrid religion kind of built off of Judaism, but a rejection of Judaism, the same thing. Right. And then um, the interesting thing is the prophecy was that the scepter, the ruling authority, will never depart from the line of David, from the house of Judah, and ultimately the line of King David. They would rule from Jerusalem, Mount Zion, forever. That was the prophecy, multiple prophecies, dozens of prophecies. And yet, after the Babylon, uh, the Babylonian Empire came in, destroyed Jerusalem, uh, and then deposed the king, the king, okay, they let him rule as like a vassal, and then he tried to do a rebellion. He was put down. Then his successor tried to do a rebellion. And this is the closing of the House of David. They destroyed the temple completely to the ground, destroyed right. all the walls so there could be no more rebellion. And the only thing that's left of that, that now is the western or well, the no, 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 wall. That, that's later. No. That's later. That's oh, later. no. Okay. Yeah, I'm this jumping is the again. first temple. That's oh, the second temple. Okay. Got it. Solomon's and, temple is what I'm thinking of. No, yes. Well, no, what I'm thinking of is Solomon's temple. You're thinking of Herod's temple. But anywho. My bad. The, <laughs> it's so complex, but it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, so what happens is this guy stages another revolt. Ill-advised. Shouldn't do it. Don't do it. He does it anyway. The king comes down, and this is the gory end of the Davidic line, or so we think. He is forced to watch all of his children be murdered in front of him, and then they rip out his eyes. So the last thing he saw was the end of his kingdom and his house and the Davidic line. All your prophecies are now destroyed by the king of kings of Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. And then he is hauled off in chains to the court of the king in modern-day Iraq. That is the, and this is 500 years before the birth of Christ. Mm. So the idea in Matthew's gospel, now we're in cycle C, which is Luke's gospel, but in Matthew's gospel, they have this whole part uh, starting in verse 12 of chapter 1. And after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shiloh, and then all these other people, yeah, yeah, yeah. all the way to Joseph. And Joseph was the husband of Mary, the mother of Christ. And so because Mary belonged to now the house of Joseph through marriage, Jesus was a descendant of David, this bloodline, long sent, long thought extinct. 
But the even cooler thing is, in every genealogy, you only mention father and son. That's all that mattered. Right. In this genealogy, four women, women are yes. mentioned. Yeah. And all four women have an interesting background. Mm-hmm. Right? So you have... Um, <clears throat> You have uh, and Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, by Tamar. Tamar was Judah's daughter, so that's unfortunate. Uh, he had children with his daughter. Okay, yeah. so then you have... <laughs> but uh, I digress. <laughs> but I digress. You have um, Salmon became the father of Boaz by Rahab. Rahab was a prostitute. Uh, Boaz marries Ruth, right? The great story of Ruth. And Ruth is that it's read at weddings is a period of the in the Bible called the Judges. Ruth was a foreigner, right? And then you have um, you have this is how it says it in the Bible. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. Doesn't even say her name. Like this is the deal, people. Like this is some tragedy that we got in our family bloodline. And it reminds me. I always tell people like God uses these people to bring about the birth of the Savior. That's awesome because I got some tragedy in my birth line, too. <laughs> if your family tree does not fork, you might be a Lene. Love you, family. Oh. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, that's, there's, there's some truth to that, though, that even God can redeem any, any uh, bloodline, and he does. Yeah. So. And so it's this notion that, like, listen, people, we all have shadiness in our family of origin. I tell people this all the time, young adults, when I'm preparing them for marriage and stuff. I say, listen, we all have baggage because our parents aren't perfect. They might be wonderful. Then it might even be canonizable. But that doesn't mean that they did everything perfect. And sometimes as kids, as young adults, whatever, we receive wounds. We receive baggage. If your parents had a problematic marriage, you're carrying that baggage with you. Right. You don't want to stand up on that altar with a U-Haul truck right next to you carrying all that extra baggage. Healed people can heal others. Just as in the last episode we talked about, or y'all talked about, hurting people can hurt others. Well, healed people can help heal others. Mm -hmm. And when you've received, when you work on your baggage now, right, you can find that redemption that you're bringing into your marriage or your other relationships or your fatherhood or motherhood or your singleness and your friendships. So pray for healing before you go to Christmas Eve dinner at your crazy aunt's house. Yeah. <laughs> because you will get through that meal a lot better. A lot better. You know what? I don't have any crazy aunts. If Jesus' great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandmother was the daughter of her dad and, all, oh gosh, incest is not a good thing. But if, if Jesus goes through that bloodline, then wow. Yeah. Look at mine. <laughs> Bright shining as so, the sun. So, so the significance of yeah. those four women was to show the imperfection of the bloodline. Um, but what, how does that relate to the Blessed Mother, though? Wasn't there a significance also to show that the Savior uh, – isn't there some sort of a connection to Well, see, the idea Mary? is if you were to say Jesus' father wasn't Joseph, it was God, and then they'd say – yeah, right. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Mary was, quote, unquote, faithful to Joseph. See, the uh, whole deal was Mary Mary says, so, yeah. So it's reminding, it was reminding the, the ancient Jewish audience that, hey, before you criticize Mary, remember yeah. the, the line, the Davidic line. Yeah. And, and what you have in your own line. Yeah, it's kind of, Dr. Hahn would talk about, it's a preempting of the arguments that Mary was just an adulteress. I got you. Right. And so that, that that's actually, I, I believe it's in the Talmud, the, the Babylonian Talmud that, that Jews read, that Mary, this was not an angelic thing. Jesus was, or a Holy Spirit thing. Jesus is not the prophet or the Messiah or anything like that. He's the illegitimate son of Mary. And the virgin birth is cover for uh, that. Right? Okay. And so that's why it's in the Gospel of Matthew, which was written to the Jewish audience. Yeah. The most Jewish of all the okay. Gospels. Yeah. 
that makes sense. Yeah, and you go to Luke's gospel in Luke chapter three. So Matthew verse one, but Luke or chapter one, but Luke is in chapter three. He doesn't go back to Abraham and David. He goes back to Adam because his goal is to show how Christ is ultimately connected to all of us of all generations, right? Not he's just to the Gentile audience, right? Right, and he was a Gentile himself, a, a Greek physician. People don't realize this about Luke, who is the author of the book of Luke and the book of Acts. Luke is one of the greatest historians in the ancient world. Hmm. He is one of the most accurate. But back then, they didn't care about accuracy like we do. Like, they would take 20 talks of some leader, and they would say, hey, it's all, it all happened on one day. Yeah. Right? So you have that. That's probably what happened with the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. They were probably different things that Jesus said at different times, but they group them all. That was very, very common to do that. Here's the sayings of Jesus. Right. But one of the interesting things was there is a scholar whose name I'm slipping right now, but he was an atheist and his whole goal was to prove St. Paul and the author of Luke's, Luke and Acts wrong. Mm-hmm. And so he journeyed to modern day Asia Minor, a.k.a. Turkey, hanging out with St. Nicholas, <laughs> <laughs> not in North Africa. Um, but he did all this stuff to prove because St. Paul would use like certain Greek or Luke would use certain Greek words describing Paul's missionary journeys. And he would say, no, that didn't exist in the first century. That was like in the seventh century or that was in the sixth century. And what he did was in these excavations, he actually ended up, it was like 20 different like Greek islands and coastal cities proving Luke acts over and over again. This guy, this scholar, had a massive conversion. Yeah, it's always when people set out to prove yeah. the gospel wrong that they end up converting. Yeah, because they find the historical reliability of yeah. the biblical witness, and it's just amazing. It's yeah. just amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. So, um, so I love Christmas. Um, if you are the person who only goes to Mass at Christmas or Easter. You're probably not listening to our podcast. Well, you're pr- number one, that. <laughs> so if you have someone in your life who is probably going to Mass, just encourage them to go any other time of year. I mean, yes, great. We want them here. But it's isn't it like it's the worst Masses to go to because you got arguing in the parking lot. You got like pews that are half empty and then you go to sit down. It's like, excuse me. Yeah. I'm reserving that. Yeah. Right. You got all that war over yeah, that stuff. I had, I had a parishioner come up to me a few oh. weeks ago that was like, hey. Are you guys going to put out a thing about no reserving seats on Christmas? And I was like, no, I'm not putting that out. I mean, yes, but no. Like, we're going to discourage it. But, like, we're not going to police people. Why? Because we want people here on Christmas. So, yeah, um, yeah for, for those of you who are here, you know, every day for Mass and saying your rosary, um, let's find this time uh, when our churches are more full than normal as a time of joy. Um, yeah. You know, welcome them. Welcome them as if they are the shepherds or the wise men coming to bring their gifts continually um, yes. to the Lord. Can I <laughs> get spoken like a development officer? <laughs> this is the time when people are bringing their annual gifts. <laughs> it's not what I meant, but it is what I meant. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to challenge our people, right? If you're listening to this podcast, you're a rock star probably. I'm going to challenge you to do what me and my family are going to do. Okay. Now we got little kids. So sometimes this is difficult. I understand limited mobility, all that stuff. If you can and are physically able, park as far away from the church as possible. Yep. In the parking lots, park over by the football field. Yep. And let people, people come in late. Mm -hmm. People come in on time, which is actually late because there's so many people. Let them have the nice parking spots. Make that your Christmas offering. Yeah. I went to... 
uh, a, a mega church in uh, Fort Worth on Sunday. Mm-hmm. I did a parish mission up in Fort Worth this last weekend, and I had time in between the masses, and I went to, I was like, I want to go see what this church is like. I've heard about it. Fellowship Church, Ed Young's church, uh, Ed Young Sr., I think, is here in Houston with Second Baptist. But this one's a non-denominational. So I go there. It's Which a, is another name for Baptist. Go on. Yeah, it can be. It <laughs> definitely can be. But as I was driving up, they had big signs. If you're a first-time visitor, please put on your flashers. So I put on my flashers. The parking lot crew, I met every single one of them, Mark, Tim, Bob. Uh, they all shook my hand, introduced themselves, and said, hey, just go up to Mark up there, and he'll be sure to tell you where to park. They escorted me into a front section so I could park easily in there. Then another person walked me to a VIP desk. We think all of our first-time visitors are VIPs. I was given a coffee mug that said Sunday Fun Day. I was given a book, Prepare Your Heart for This, Stephen. This is going to break your heart. The book was called <laughs> Fifty Shades of They, 50 no. Chapters on Relationships. No, I'm not, I'm not down with it. I'm not, I hate it. I'm not down with the it. The book is – I read about the first eight chapters. The book is fine. It almost makes me want to be a curmudgeon on Christmas <laughs> hearing this. <laughs> and then they escorted me to the front row of the church so I could participate in the – experiences <laughs> okay so i'm gonna interject yeah let's be welcoming at christmas <laughs> but let's be humble about it just <laughs> quietly park by the football fields exactly. or somewhere and make it a christmas offering and slide into the center of the slide pews so people can come in on the side no one is not sitting by someone this christmas yeah. <laughs> that's right and if there's someone with a screaming kid smile at them mm-hmm. because i guarantee you that they're struggling more than you are in that moment yeah um with embarrassment or trying to keep their kid quiet or whatnot and the nursery's not open on christmas or christmas eve there's no pumpkin pie yeah there's <laughs> there's no nursery and we do that on purpose here at st anthony's one because we want to give our nursery workers time to be with their families absolutely but two uh christmas is a time for everyone to be in mass together we're, we're not separating out and so we want the little ones there um yeah know. absolutely absolutely and can I tell you a funny story that happened? This is a funny story. You're going to tell me anyway, so go on. Yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> so three weeks ago, I was at the prison doing my Monday morning thing. And as I'm walking in, there's a Jewish group, an Orthodox Jewish group that meets at the same time in the chapel. And the one guy flags me down. He says, yo, Gomer, can you do me a favor? And I said, what's that? And he goes, we're all studying Hanukkah. But First and Second Maccabees is not a book in our Bible. It's a pious literature, but it's not biblical to us but it is to you catholics will you come and teach us about this time period and i was like oh yes you <laughs> you got to educate the jews on hanukkah on hanukkah, about hanukkah. that was, is a badge of honor for it you was, isn't it i was like well well, okay, I think I won Catholicism for the year. Uh, so then two weeks later, I go back. Every other week I go up there, and I go back, and they all come forward, and I do the grand tale of the Maccabees in Israel. See what I did there? You I know what that sounds away. like? Mm. That sounds like another podcast. Mm. You know what? I think it does. I think it does. I think Wink. we need to educate our parishioners on the traditions of Hanukkah. <laughs> Just because. Yeah. yeah. The funny thing is, mine had nothing to do with Hanukkah. Uh-huh. It had everything to do with the historical things around it and Maccabees. It was awesome. Yeah. And it's good for Christmas. It is Because good. it leads right up to Herod and Jesus and the birth and all of the tension. All right, save it. Save it. Oh, I'm so excited. Getting, I can't. You are getting excited. Okay. Okay. We'll save it for next time. All right. We'll save it for next time. So here's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> 
I just hurt myself leaning back with headphones in my ears. Oh man! All right, we uh, we're I'm a little so rusty, excited. Steven. I'm a little rusty. I know it's all the joy of it Christmas is. and Hanukkah all coming together. <laughs> oh, it's, it's so um, gaudate. All right, so oh man, we are just going to rejoice as we leave this podcast. <laughs> uh, we thank you all for listening to Beyond the Bulletin as always, and uh, have a very merry Christmas. Have yourself a... It's happening. Merry... I said very little Christmas. Merry... Mm. Ladies and gentlemen, goodbye. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. (laughs) 